0: Check us out. (laughs) We've got theme music, courtesy of a dear homie by the name of Jake Nager. He's got a new quartet by the name of Jake Nager in the Moment of Truth, and you're listening to a track called Gettin' It, off his forthcoming, In the Cut. Love it. Love the name of the record, which is uh, due this summer. But uh, this is his first time, Jake, going out on his own with the Moment of Truth. And uh, Jake's been part of scores of projects, from uh, TV on the radio to Greyboy All-Stars. He, uh, he works with my dear friend Matt and the Redwoods Review. And uh, thank you so much for giving us access to your music, Jake, here at Cantore and You. Today, we're uh, talking to Jay Grant Britton. A, uh, an icon I'll tell you you have seen his work there is no doubt this guy has influenced uh, culture here in San Diego and worldwide and, and that skate culture specifically uh, Grant used to manage the uh, Del Mar Skate Ranch back in the day he was 25 years old when he first picked up a camera and started shooting his buddies skateboarding at this ranch Del Mar Ranch he managed it again up in del mar and in the 80s he honed his skills and uh, helped people like uh, tony hawk become an icon because of his imagery and uh, a lot of the Dogtown guys you'll hear it in the interview that were coming down here from la uh, he documented their time here in san diego and just the entire southern california skateboard scene as a whole throughout the 80s and again influence uh, skate cultures across the globe so Just an honor to have not only Grant Britton here in my house, but he also took a picture of me, which is now my profile pic, and uh, I'm humbled by it. That's all I could say as a kid who grew up on the East Coast fantasizing about living in Grant's world uh, here in Del Mar back in the 80s. I moved here in uh, 85, and uh, yeah. Just uh, was exposed to a lot of Grant stuff on the East Coast. So to sit next to the guy was pretty rad and have a meaningful talk as well as get a picture from the guy. I was pretty touched. Do you want to thank our sponsors? We've got a new one on board. Couldn't be more excited about this. Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance. The easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance, BajaBound.com. You can buy and print out your Mexican insurance policy online in minutes. And uh, it's the best way to go. You don't want to go down the MEX for a surf trip. uh, If you're riding your bikes down there, wine country, whatever, you don't want to go down there without auto insurance. You get in an accident, it's going to cost you. You, You'll either find yourself in jail or paying a hefty fine. But at uh, BajaBound.com, they've been doing this since 1994. You can get a free quote easily just by hitting them up and then boom, print out that policy. You're good to go, stress-free. Again, it's BajaBound.com, or you can call 1-888-552-2252. I'll be honest, last couple of months have kind of been a friggin' bear because of this whole back thing. You heard me talk about it in the last episode with Ken Kramer before we get to Grant Britain here. I, uh, I, I found out after an MRI that I have a herniated disc at the L5S1, and the herniation is pretty gnarly pressing right on that sciatic nerve, just almost wrapped around it, which is why it dropped me to my knees, I mean, in pain. I, I was crying, just screaming into pillows in pain, middle of the night because of this situation. And it led to me getting an MRI and then took me to a surgeon. But I met with this surgeon and he obviously wants to, he's a surgeon, he wants to do surgery. I, on the other hand, have also been heavily involved and engaged in physical therapy and I'll tell you it's working wonders so now I find myself pain-free but I still have some weakness in my left leg and some numbness in my toes and I'm scared shitless to go surf I'm so scared to surf right now because I'm afraid it's going to pop or lock in that same place, hit that nerve and send me back into excruciating pain, which takes me to, well, my appointment with this surgeon, orthopedic surgeon later on today, where, where we kind of discuss what are we going to do here? Cut me open and, and put me on my back for a good month or let me continue down this road, which I'm super into of physical therapy. I'm eating better, dropping a couple of pounds. Uh, it's day by day, baby steps, but I am dropping a little weight and uh feeling the relief but again i still have that weakness in the leg just a little bit and uh, some numbness in the toes which i've always had because of this i think i've had this forever i just aggravated it and took it to a place where it was unmanageable and trust me nothing was giving it relief i tried the pain pills which i friggin hate They, they did nothing Uh, The only thing that worked was a a round of steroids that I did. And and I'll be honest, CBDs. You, You hear us talk about CBDs a lot. In fact, on our next show, we're going to be talking to David Wells. Friggin' A, man. What an amazing dude. You know David Wells, right? Perfect game, 33. Pitch for the Yankees, Padres, Toronto. Won a World Series in Toronto. Yankees. Came back here with the pods, Obesion, the man, but uh, he says he's able to walk today and throw a baseball today because of CBDs, which during this bout with my back helped tremendously. I was uh, taking these little tinctures that I got at Torrey Holistics, San Diego's finest licensed and permitted cannabis dispensary. They've got tons of of CBD products over there and uh, they're celebrating their second year anniversary right now over at Tory. but uh, it's a big time for them because as you know, things went recreational at the first of the year and now they've got like lines around the block. But uh, if you are looking for CBD products, in my case, really help with the inflammation when my back just started going nuts and uh, you know, that and other things like PT, physical therapy, have helped me tremendously. And again, you can get some of the best, high quality and lab tested CBD products at Tory Holistics. And again, they're in Sorrento Valley, serving all of North County. They've got a delivery service, Tory to you, which you can hit up at ToryHolistics.com forward slash delivery. And uh, yeah, get CBDs right to your door. Or if you're into the recreational thing, uh, that's obviously available as well. Thanks again to Jake Nager and the Moment of Truth for providing the music as we, uh, as we uh, seg into legendary Skate Photog, J. Grant Britain, and he came bearing gifts. So what did you, uh, what'd you bring by today?
1: Um, that is the coasters, photo coasters I do. I do those at Chrome Digital. So, they're aluminum. Okay.
0: Wow, these are incredible.
1: Yeah, that's Christian Assoy, and then okay. Todd Swank, and then Nadas Kapas, and who's on the last one? I can't, uh, Steve Rocco.
0: So, oh, that's amazing, thank yeah. you. Sure. So, uh, you've been shooting since, since the 80s, right? Or 70s? Um, I started in 1979.
1: Okay, so late yeah. 70s. Hey. Hey,
0: buddy. Yeah, that's uh, that's our dog Bailey. Mm-hmm. We used to have another dog, Felix, that was part of the podcast. Now we mm-hmm. have a new puppy by the name of Bailey jumping on our guests. Mm-hmm.
1: Good. I love dogs. So, uh, did you grow up
0: here in San Diego? Uh,
1: I grew up in Fallbrook, and uh, I was born and raised in Fallbrook, and became a got a skateboard at ten. You know, skated just for fun and stuff in the sixties. And then got into surfing in 1970. And then when I got out of high school in 73, I moved to Cardiff.
0: Wow, man. So early 70s in Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah. Different world then.
1: Yeah. And we didn't leave Cardiff back in those days. I didn't have a car. You hitchhiked and I had a bike and we walked everywhere. And all
0: I really did was surf. And what about the skateboards? What were they like
1: back then? Uh, Back then, really narrow, shitty trucks, uh, (laughs) uh you know just ball bearing wheels you know just and we just skated for fun pretty much i wasn't really into the skateboard scene even when it started you know got big in like 75 and stuff i got cadillac wheels you know when they came out and and it's the old story you know when you're not surfing you're You're skating skating, Mm -hmm. you know and pretending like you're surfing of course
0: and what was the culture for people who have no idea what San Diego was like back then. What was the culture like?
1: Well, you know, in in like Encinitas, you know, Cardiff area, I mean, it was so laid back. You know, there were, sure, there were rich people, but there were a lot of like little bungalows in Cardiff. That's before they started building all the crazy big houses and you could get rent. My first... Room I rented was 63 50 a month. $63 a month. And, yeah, yeah. And, 50. and I could barely afford that. So, <laughs> and so then uh, uh, I got a house with three other guys and straight up from the beach at the top of the hill, you'd walk out in front of the house. You could see Cardiff Reef, you know, down the street, you know, probably five blocks away, six blocks away. And. The rent there was 365 bucks a month. We had one guy living in the garage, you know, to cut it down even more. So it was pretty typical of those days. And, and you worked at restaurants. There were no really shops you could work at. You know, I worked at a surf shop in Del Mar, uh, for like a couple of different times. The same, this little hole in the wall surf shop. And that's kind of how I got introduced into the, um, the industry of skateboarding, just meeting a couple of people, but it was mainly just locals, and you were friends with locals, and a lot of a lot of my friends now are, are people
0: that I met back then, and then at Delmar Skate Ranch, sure. all my best friends. So before you started working at the ranch, you were just a beach bum working at shops and doing. Yeah, your and thing. you
1: you worked. I was a prep cook at a restaurant, and you know you worked at restaurants because you didn't have any money, and at least you were going to eat that day. You were, <laughs> right. and then you were also, you know grocery shopping there, you know, when you left and, you know, or, or you'd mess up food on purpose, purpose you so know, you can so some you could stuff take it home. home. Yeah. I'd, I'd mess, mess up crab legs and abalone <laughs> back then. And, <laughs> and just so I could take something home, but we were, you know, feasting and then went and then our friends worked there too, so you'd go in at night, and they'd stick you in the in the dry goods room, and you'd be sitting on a bucket eating, you know, three course
0: meals. So of course, man, that was how
1: you got by back in those days. Yeah, yeah. and then you'd
0: go see your buddy who worked at the ice cream shop and do whippets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, that would be you. That would me. be me. Yeah, okay, okay, that was my crew. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when it does come to that scene back then, you know, today obviously you, you look at specifically the surf culture, and it attracts all types. What was the the culture like back then when it comes to the people you were rolling with? You know, was it? I would imagine it was obviously a lot different than it is today. Back
1: then, it was just people who were pretty much hardcore into skating. You know, yeah. they might surf too. Uh, and then there was that whole anti-surf thing that skaters got later on. You know, back in the 70s, it's like you surfed, you skated, you know. Later on, it was, you know, in the 80s, it was like a lot of skaters didn't surf. And right. They hated surfing, you know, or they didn't live near the beach. Sure. Or, or they hated snowboarding, you know. There was that... A lot of people were into the crossover thing, you know, like especially like Orange County, and it seems like everybody's into all those sports. Right. And then they got a pit bull and tats and everything, you know. <laughs> so, and skinhead. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it was just... Uh, we were just into skating and we didn't care about the industry
0: and you know, we, we just skated for those who don't know, can you tell us about the Del Mar skate ranch? What, what's the story there?
1: Well, um, in the, the boom of the seventies, a lot of skate parks were built all over the United States and you know, the world and, uh, Del Mar was one of them and it was one of the last cement parks, you know, that got bulldozed back. It got bulldozed in 87 opened in 78. And it was back then skate parks were kind of meccas for skating and not just for, um, the people who live there, but, you know, traveling skaters, they would come to, you know, Del Mar and, and, uh, all the pros would come there. And it, so it was, it was kind of like our meeting place, our clubhouse or whatever you want to call it. I worked there, which was great. And that's how I got into photography was just working there and picking up a camera and starting to shoot the locals and, and, the pros that were coming through and there were contests there. And I slowly got good enough at shooting that I could, you know, get a spot on, on the pool, you know, on the edge of the pool and then people wouldn't get in my way usually, you know, either. (laughs) And then when the magazines back then, the magazines were the only way it was before the web before you never saw skateboarding on TV. The magazines were the key, uh, way that people saw skateboarding you know and and california was you know like i said uh, pretty much a mecca everybody wanted to come to california sure and so you would wait you know for uh, there were no podcasts you know you would wait for the magazine you know you were wait by the mailbox and wait for a magazine to come i remember thrasher before that skateboarder yeah um uh and then trans world i just I mean, if it hadn't been for Del Mar, I would have never gotten into to uh, skate photography. I was into art. I thought I was gonna be an artist. Not a very good artist, but right. um, I'd probably be starving now. Wait, I'm starving as a photographer. Um, <laughs> Me too as a podcaster. Yeah. You're in good company. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just the way you got news about skateboarding, you know, and, and then zines, you know, when the Xerox zines came out, yep. that was another way to show you know your crew your area you know there was this little uh this little train of of zines all over the place you know europe you know everywhere sure sure australia and i had a zine everybody had a zine you know the first zines i saw were probably lance and and john lucero had zines and and so that was another way to to monetize or not get monetize your stuff out just there. get your stuff out there because You know, there were only two magazines back then, you know, I was in a good place where I helped start the magazine. So I was getting all of my stuff pretty much run, you know, uh, yeah, I had a monopoly on it because there were only maybe six serious photographers back then. Everybody had left when skateboarder went under, um, all the photographers kind of went over to surfing and motocross and and,
0: uh, other other things because they couldn't make any money in skating. So before all this, you had no previous training, you were just working at the ranch and you got thrown a camera and and built your craft on site?
1: Well, um, I was always, I was going to Palomar College in San Marcos and I was taking art and general ed. And then I got more, you know, I started surfing you know, even more, I think when I moved to Cardiff and, uh, um, I, whoa, well, what'd you say ladies with long dresses on? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> walking I don't outside. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no worries. Um, so, uh, then, uh, I started shooting it. I borrowed my roommate's camera, at Del Mar and he just loaded the film for me and it just kind of took off from there. You know, I got a couple of good shots on my first roll. I shot color, but I had no way to, you know, we didn't have scanning, you know, sure. you, I just held it up against the sun and looked at it. Oh yeah, it looks cool. I don't even think I owned a, you know, a loop back then, a magnifier. And so I started shooting black and white and cause it was cheaper than color. And, Um, I had no way to print or anything. And then Sonny Miller, the, he was a skater, a friend of mine, and he, he, uh, was a surf photographer and he was going to Palomar too. And he asked me to, if I wanted to go in the dark room and print something, you know, I'd never seen my photos blown up right? and this is like a year, at least a year into shooting photos. And then we went in the dark room, printed a photo and I just went, wow, this is it. And I've just been full on ever since. So I was pretty much, um, self-taught shooting scape photos cause I'd never shot any photos before. And so then I, I, I think the next day I changed all my classes to yeah. photography classes. <laughs> I took three photography classes of all different sure. levels. You know, I took a slide class, color slides class, uh, black and white basic class and then a history class. Cause I knew nothing about photography, but I think my art background helped me, you know, with composition and things like that. I, I kind of kn- knew in my brain what I wanted stuff to look like, but I just didn't know technically, you know, I didn't know F stops from shutter speeds. Sure. I'm kind of a, I have to see things done like three times, you know, before it sinks in, you know, I, I'm a really slow learner when it comes <laughs> to technical stuff. So People ask me technical questions, and I'm just like, I don't know. You know, I just, I just do it. I mean, I
0: know stuff. But, sure. But uh, obviously, it eventually stuck, yeah. and you develop this art and this amazing craft. Now, I have a question that relates to the, the, the timeline of the culture, the whole Dogtown. You know, for people who know the, like even the movie Dogtown and Z-Boys... Where do you fit, if you will, in that timeline? Like the the Hugh Hollands of the world, capturing mm. those early '70s stuff.
1: Well, you know, Dogtown gets a lot of credit, but there was a total scene down here too. You know, you could, if you had had a Stacy Peralta type guy down here, I'm sure that that he could do something about this area. I, I mean, it's a rich area as far as early skateboarding goes Agreed. on. The first time I saw the the Dogtown guys were at the Ocean Festival at Del Mar Mar Fairgrounds, and there was a big contest, and I sold tickets at the surf shop I worked at, and then I went to the contest, and this is, I think, uh, 74. Okay. And when Jay Adams and Stacy and, and all the Dogtown guys came out, they skated different. Then everybody else, they skated like we did because we were watching Ty page and you know, you'd you see people doing three sixties, you know, whatever stuff. <laughs> and then these guys came out and they were low to the ground. They were, they were skating like Larry Bertelman surfed, you know, like buttons and, sure. you know, and that's how we skated. You know, we were doing burts and laybacks and things like that. We were riding ditches and, and, and pools and, and, uh, so these ladies are coming here, I think. Oh, they're
0: so they're really you saw some ladies yeah, outside yeah. I that think were going door to door? They look like Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, okay. Yeah, Maybe. let's see. We do get a lot of uh walkers in the neighborhood yeah. doing their thing. I'll get up and tell them just in case okay. they come through. That's what you saw.
1: All right. Yeah, they were going door to door. They're like lost cats. They'll keep coming back. I
0: know, seriously. Don't feed them. Let them leave their stuff. They can poop on the yard. (laughs) I'll clean it up. Just go about your business. So everybody
1: came to Del Mar to skate, you know, either photo sessions or just with friends or a a contest, you know, I'd see, um, I mean, Alva came and, and, uh, but it was just one of the parks, you know, When, when, at one time there were, I think there were eight or nine skate parks just in San Diego County alone, Dang. you know, from, from, um, home Avenue on up to, you know, Del Mar was probably, that was definitely the, the last park to exist, you know, but we'd go to Oasis skate park and spring Valley. And there was, you know, there was a park in pretty much every major, you know, town around here. There was, I think El Cajon skate park park and, a. um, Spring Valley was a big one though. Right. That was, there were contests there. There was a Hester series there, but it was mainly in the beginning. It was mainly locals and the locals, you know, like first guys I shot were the first photos I ever shot were Kyle uh, Jensen. And then, you know, Owen Needer and, and uh, you know, I became friends with all the locals, you know, Dave Swift, Todd Swank, uh, then, you know, Billy Ruff and Tony Hawk, you know, started skating the park when Oasis closed down and which was down in Mission Valley under the freeway, and um, Gator and you know, and then uh, the pros would come down and I met you know Stevie Caballero and and Christian Asoy and you know, they'd all be there either for fun. you know, they'd be down skating or they'd be practicing for sure. a contest or I mean, they'd be sleeping in their cars or the highball games hey, that we had. So we had crazy. these trampoline games with, they were like volleyball trampoline games and people would sleep on the on the trampoline part or they'd sleep in the back of the park. No money in skateboarding. And you didn't, even me shooting photos, it wasn't a job. It wasn't, there was no such thing, you know, like now kids, I want to be a skate photographer. I yeah. want to be a, a skate star. videographer, you know. Yeah. There was no such thing back in those days, you know. There it were just- two magazines, maybe Four photographers per magazine. Photographers weren't making any money, you know. I didn't make any money for a few years. I made. I remember getting paid twenty-five or fifty bucks for a photo, and I was like,
0: "Wow!" <laughs> and that took
1: me six months to get that money out of the company or whatever it was, just to get that twenty-five dollars yeah. took six months. And then when I started, I started working for Trans World, or we started Trans World. Um, in the beginning, I was getting two hundred bucks a month
0: damn that's amazing i was still working
1: at the skate park i still worked for the skate park the magazine started in 83 i worked at the skate park till 84 and i was still at the skate park every day shooting photos and then i i slowly you know got enough money i slept at the skate park on the pool table for eight months you know there was no money back then it's fascinating to me i lived out of the back room at the skate park i had all my clothes in boxes and i I went next door. They also that recreation area also had a, a laundromat and a pool, and and there was a Denny's on the corner, and and uh, I just lived there, and and then went to school during the day. Went to Palomar for two and a half years. Like took every photo class I could take. I did the first few issues of the magazine at Palomar College in the wow. darkroom. I printed all the photos, and then. Before we finally got a dark room up in Oceanside. And when we got the dark room, that's when I was at the magazine every day pretty yeah. much, printing pictures, so well, well, I was the darkroom tech. And too.
0: when did the money really start rolling into the industry, where the skaters started seeing it? The yeah, Eventually, I imagine it's, it would probably start with the skaters and then eventually roll down to the photographers.
1: Yeah, probably, I'd say around 86, you know, where- Really, where, that late into the game? Yeah, where skaters, I mean, and then I'm talking like the big skaters, like, uh, you know, 86 to 88, you know, is when, you know, Gons and Nottis and people like that started making some money. Yeah. And the Bones Brigade probably started making some money. But there were times when, you know, and then it died. It would die every few years. That's just part of skateboarding. You know, it died at the beginning of the 80s, late 70s. That's when they started bulldozing. All the insurance rates went up at at the skate parks Mm. and uh and real estate was getting more expensive and they started bulldozing parks you know i'd i'd be at the park i'd work nights at the park you know till we we stayed open till 11 o'clock every night there'd be two people skating and we'd be open you know we we wouldn't close early that's how dead skateboarding got and it was pretty much like i said before it was our
0: clubhouse
1: like nobody cared about skateboarding in the early eighties. Nobody
0: cared except the skateboarders, you know? And and what do you credit or attribute the revitalization at that point? What what was it? I think the magazines
1: helped a little bit and uh, a lot of kids and it just got, I don't know. It just got cool again. You know, I it's, it's skateboarding is this monster and you can't control the monster. You know that sometimes the monster sleeps and then, but yeah, it's like whenever skateboarding dies, we were always just like, okay, it's dead again, yep. you know, but we still do it. We like it. You know, the magazine would fluctuate in size, you know, you know, it got down to, we got down to 76 pages or 72 pages at one time when it yeah. died in the, in the late eighties. And then it boomed again. And we got up to, it was like Bogue magazine. It was, um.
0: Like, f- it got up over 400 pages at one time. Where is the industry today from your vantage point? Because I look at how photography and beautiful artistic imagery is held at such a premium. Where is it at? How do you tap in today?
1: Um, well, now it's like magazines aren't even a part of the equation. Right. You know, magazines are pretty much... nobody. Fine. Nobody for as a medium, nobody receives their information from magazines. You know, it was funny. I went to Starbucks yesterday and, uh, cause I was working out in El Cajon and Uh, I read the newspaper that was sitting there and I was like, I read all this two days ago, you know, and that's, that's how it is with social media
0: and the internet and TV. But there's so much value in beautiful art and, and imagery. Are you able to monetize that? I have no idea. Well,
1: it's, it's, I mean, if anybody is able to monetize, it's probably the older guys that can monetize it. If, if you're not working for a company, say, Say uh, Anthony Acosta, who works for bands, you know, that's the kind of gig you want, okay. you know?
0: where you're shooting exclusively, you're shooting for exclusively for that,
1: but you're also shooting, you know, you're, you're funneling stuff off to magazines and, and to social media. Um, my key way to get my stuff out there now, I don't shoot a lot, you know, I shoot, you know, probably skating twice a month. Really? You know? Yeah. I'm I'm working on my archive and I'm trying to get that out there. And, you know, I have this archive from the 80s and the 90s, you know, and then I still this, you know, the stuff I shoot, I uh, now I put it up on on the web and and on social media right away. And I probably get more eyes now than I could in a magazine. That's I think that. magazines now have gone more toward the special magazines that come out every you know, four months or something and they're on nicer paper and they're this collectible thing that people don't want to, you know, get rid of. It's like Surfer's journal, you know, where it's super nice and, you know, I'm not going to throw this away. Yeah. You know, I might pass it on to somebody, but I still love magazines, but as far as skateboarding goes, I don't think they are really an avenue
0: to, to, uh, to entertain or whatever, you know, the public. So, so there's still, and I imagine there is because you're looking at one of them, yeah. a huge demand for the archives and that culture from yeah. back in the day, I would imagine.
1: But there's this giant, um, there's so much need for content now. It's all about content and it's not always good content. Agreed. There's a lot of shitty content out there. Oh, a thousand percent. You know? you know, like, I mean, do you remember? Seeing, you know, that Instagram photo, okay, it was on Instagram, but do you remember it, you know, a week later no or way. a day later? Three hours know. later. Yeah. No. People remember images from way back, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like
0: music because it puts you back into a place that you romanticize. Yeah. And you think, man, during that time when I was young, again, looking at these pictures back when I was in a bedroom, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm you love tapping back into that place yeah. and, and you're the delivery method. Yeah. You know, you're the system that delivers that.
1: Well, I get a lot of messages and emails and things about, you know, that photo was on my wall, you know, when right. I was 15, you know, and, or, um, your photo of so-and-so made me pick up a camera and I'm a photographer to this day, Yeah. you know, like stuff like that. It's so amazing. You, you really get off on that. That's Hell the kind yeah. of things I like to hear, you know, and that is more important than than money. I ain't a rich man. You know, I, I do money is the furthest thing from my mind. You know, uh, I just want to be happy and I want, you know, family and, and, and my friends are the most important thing in my art. Photography, I'm a total photo nerd. You know, I'm the guy at a party that's standing there with six people and we're talking about gear or something. You know, <laughs> Somebody else comes, somebody comes up to the circle and they stay for about a minute and they just go, I'm roll out. their eyes. I'm out. See you later. You yeah. Know?
0: Cause they don't, they don't get it. When it comes to the current landscape, I want to go back to that just with skateboarding. Where do you see things today? As far as the skateboard industry is concerned, do you see it thriving? Do you see it in one of those lulls?
1: Well, I think there's, there's more skaters now than there's ever been. I don't know if they're buying from the big, you know, skate companies. There's a lot of little skate companies that are, you know, cutting into the, you know, the big pie. Sure. And, uh, and I think a small company is, is able to change like fast. It's like when Rocco came along and, and smaller companies back then and they could change their graphics like weekly, yeah. you know, you put out a hundred boards. Now it's like, um, uh, limited release is big, you know, signed limited release, changing shapes, uh, of boards. Um, there's a big boom in analog right now, you know, like film is coming back, you know, like film sales are up. I talked to friends at, at uh, George's camera and like medium format film has, you know, like has come back and you know, kids, there's a digital backlash, I think, where everything's just so iPhone and, and GoPro and, and, and kids want to be different. They don't want to be like the other person. I mean, you, you have your followers, you know, your sheep and everything, but then you've got these people, you know, that want to shoot, you know, film and they want to get in the darkroom and, and, you know, the darkroom craft, it's this craft. It's like homemade furniture and, and, yeah. and handmade stuff, you know, is big. I mean, Etsy, like vinyl. I mean, yeah, vinyl, but Etsy is huge, you know, yeah. I mean, people make dollhouses and, and just crazy stuff. And then, and then vintage is big too. You know, I know, I know, um, photographers who are selling their vintage photos written on beat up from the eighties and nineties. It's amazing. You know, Dave Swiss been selling stuff, uh, off his Instagram, you know, through direct message, you know, of just stuff that was printed in the dark room back in the nineties and it's dog eared and it's got creases in it and people buy it. Dang, you know? So that's right. And they're framing it, yeah. you know? So, um, analog is, you know, it helps me out a
0: lot, you yeah. know, So when you look back at uh, your archives, what are some of the ones that just really come to mind where you're like, wow, that's really special?
1: Well, I'm known for, you know, things like the forehand plants, the, you know, the Bones Brigade at Chin Ramp and the Chris Miller pole cam and and uh, some of the Rodney photos that I shot. And I think the early photographers, this, the seventies the guys, you know, that I looked up to and then I kind of learned to shoot photos by looking at their photos. Um, it was pretty basic. The tricks were basic, yep. you know, airs and hand plants were just like the new thing. And you didn't have a lot of crazy lighting. And then with technology, um, you know, when the FM two Nikon FM two came out you were able to shoot flash during the day, it really opened up a lot of things. Mm. Before it back in the day it was sun behind you. Yep. I shot with Fuji Belvia, which was like accentuated the colors, you know, you had really bright reds and bright yellows and bright, you know, blue sky, you know, yeah. and that really pushed the whole California look, you know. Like you knew you knew a skate photo back then by the weather's always good here. It was yeah. blue sky. I mean I used to like it when big storm clouds would come in because it was just... give you, you something different to yeah, work with. Yeah, something different to work with. And I shot a lot of sunset photos. I was in slow shutter
0: speeds and yeah. I was going for blur and... and uh, See, I love that stuff. That yeah. That's the dreamy stuff that I, yeah. again, romanticized that yeah. I referenced earlier. Well,
1: that's what makes skating, you know, more... Uh, um, skate photography more artistic. You know, if you're shooting middle of the day, I hate to shoot the middle of the day, yeah. you know. But then with digital now, I can shoot... I I've gotten even more basic with my shooting. I'll just, back in the day, you shot color on a, a a nice day, and you shot black and white on, on a shitty day. Right. Um. Now I'll go on a, a shitty day, you know, when it's overcast, and I'll shoot digital, and then I'll convert it to black and white. Yeah. And I'll mess around with it on Photoshop. You know, I'm not. I'm just. I'm treating it like a dark room. You know, you go in and you dodge and burn to make things darker or lighter. And I, I, my Photoshop skills are really basic and i'm pretty much doing the dark room on the camera i'm not doing a lot of layers and i'm not tricking out photos i'm taking the basic photo and just doing what i would do in the dark room of course so now my black i i don't mind shitty weather anymore you know <laughs> you know that's changed a lot and
0: and and then i shoot film too tell me a little bit about your family i'd like to hear about your family uh you mentioned that your family was very important to you oh you- well i
1: um I met my wife pretty much through skateboarding and uh, in the 80s. She worked at The Panic in, in Del Mar. Okay. And I got to know her, and I knew her for a couple of years, and we finally went out, and I think we were living together. I was So I was friends with her for two years, and we were probably living together within two months. And then my kids, you know, I've got a daughter and, and a son, in uh they're in their 20s okay and my son's a skater like gnarly skater really he's he works at the y at at uh encinitas and uh at the skate park but he skates every day and you can uh see him on instagram too he's chauncey Peppertooth. how dope Uh, is that yeah so um yeah and it's nothing i i was never the soccer dad you know i just got him boards and i got him you know skate gear and then dropped him and his friends off at the skate park i was never the guy that was standing you know there going you know hey serge uh you better work on your 360 flips right you know so but i would imagine you i just let my kids do i don't want to embarrass my kids either
0: so and i know we do as parents right so i'm hitting that zone with mine because mine are younger i've got an 11 and a nine-year-old but i would imagine if your son's a skater, just based on your life experiences, you have a tremendous amount of wisdom that you can pass down to him from things you've seen with other skaters, right? Especially on a professional level. Mm, and I don't get involved. In no? It. He, no, he's, he just rolls his eyes. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you? I am curious. Is there a common theme or when it comes to things that you've seen in the industry or with these with these professionals? Because, again... They did it because it was part of who they are and who they were and just your culture, but then you start making money and you're on these magazines Mm -hmm. and you do see this fame and ups and downs. Did you pull any wisdom from those experiences or...?
1: I, I always put myself secondary. I'm just a photographer. Right. You know, I, I never got into that. Hey, I'm a star photographer. No, or, you, know, I, I just, you don't strike me as yeah, that. Yeah, I just never got into that. And I always felt my I was always lucky to travel. And, and I partied, but I was up the next morning walking around shooting photos because and going to museums and right. things like that. But I saw a lot of skaters that made it big and then just partied themselves into nothing you know spent all their money ruined their career it was always you hear that people they would rather party than skate you know and i've seen that i've seen the most talented people just kind of disappear you mentioned certain people from back in the day and people don't know you know who you're talking about?
0: Yeah, some of the names you dropped, I was like, "Whoa, I haven't yeah. heard that in 20, 25 yeah. years," and I wouldn't know with all due or respect. Or they got into
1: other things. You know, they got into working, or or uh, or into surfing, or you know, they got into other things. Um, the people, you know, the 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 Hosoys and the the Cabs and the Tony Hawks and and Chris Miller and people like that, they just played it smart. They yeah. just, you know, they just. Kept it. Let well. Christian had his problems, and now he's. You know, he he Started came back. Church, right? Yeah, Jim? yeah. But a lot of people don't come back. They try to come back after years, and they can't come it's back. It's hard, man. You know? It is really hard. Somebody I mean, like Christian, you've got this person, this natural talent, you know, and this character, you yeah. know. He has this just. Agreed. way he walks and talks and, and he's cool to people and he was able to come back but a lot of people don't come back and the people, you know, you've got Caballero and and like I said, Miller and Tony they just played it smart yeah. you know, they, they they had fun they love skating more than anything they treated people right you know, like Tony is probably the most successful skateboarder in the world you know, of all time yep and he's still the coolest person, you in know, the room. I he'll know. talk to anybody. You know, I've gone to dinner with him. I've gone to grocery store with him. I've traveled with him and he never blows people, blows off. blows people off, know. you know, even paparazzi he deals with that half the time. He's embarrassed by all the attention, you know, yep. so he's always involved in charities and, you know, we went to, um, Argentina in, uh, September. I went with he and part of the team for a demo. And then we went to a barrio, you know, they took us to this barrio and he did demo on a quarter pipe with the other guys, Kevin Staub and and Elliot Sloan and and, uh, some other people. And for these kids that have nothing, you know, and he was able to do that too, you know, on a crappy little, you know, quarter pipe. Dude, it blows my
0: mind. I mean, I have a nine-year-old daughter who's enamored. Still to this day, by Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. Enamored by him yeah. because she knows that, you know, he's done interviews or I've had him on this podcast and she'll talk to her friends and be like, my dad knows Tony Hawk. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. like, it's in it his 50s. And I loved him that way yeah. when I was her age. And holy shit, it's, it blows my mind. Yeah, The relevance today. No,
1: that he has the patience to do... I couldn't deal with it. You oh know? gosh, me neither, man. You know, I, I, I like my anonymity yep. you know <laughs> Me too, i like buddy. not but i like to be recognized too if there's free beer or yeah, you know you free, get something out of it some free merch free here dinner and there. You, know, some free, you know some shoes t-shirts yeah, new trucker hat whatever you know, that's when i like it but then i love that. i love it when a kid comes up and you know ask me questions about photography and 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 you know i do mentoring and sure. and i i sit on a couple of boards at colleges and high schools and the photo department. You do stuff at UCSD? Yeah, I do an extension program at UCSD sometimes, oh, cool. but I sit on the board at Palomar College and San Diego High School and now now Vista High School, just their planning board for the photo department. And um, I've done workshops and things, you know, at, at Woodward West and Woodward East. And I just want to like, I can't keep it to myself. I remember starting and I had no one to ask. Yeah, so I want to help kids and and I, you know I can teach someone how to take a good skate photo in a day. It's not hard. It's just pretty much a formula. I pretty much shoot the same way every time I you know if I'm shooting a pool, I put my flash here, flash there, and I'm shooting with this lens, you know, I might get in the bottom of the pool. Um, have the guy go over me or whatever, depending on the trick. But yeah, I just, uh, I got to share it. You know, I can't keep it to myself. I'm going to be dead someday.
0: Uh, I got to share it. (laughs) And I'd rather be,
1: you know, I've known people who better to be
0: a giver, man.
1: Yeah. I've known people who didn't share, you know, that didn't give anything. And then they, they just took and took and took. And and, it's not the way to go through life, bud. Well, thanks for
0: letting me be that kid today. All right. Thanks, Chris. (laughs) Thanks again. Music here provided by Jake Nager and the moment of truth. And, uh, Jay Grant Britton, what an amazing hang was talking to grant after the interview. And, uh, we're actually going to get coffee next week. I'm going to go up to, uh, visit him. He, he has an office at the Nixon, uh, you know, Nixon watches. He has an office or. Uh, the ability to go into that operation whenever he wants, and he wanted to give me a tour, which I I can't wait to take. I've been a fan of Nixon products for years, and uh, that'll be awesome to meet Grant on his home turf. And uh, next week, or next episode, which will be next week, David Wells, looking forward to that. One of the greatest pitchers of all time. Obetian. And again, thank you to our sponsors, Baja Bound Mexican Auto Insurance at BajaBound.com. Torrey Holistics, located in Sorrento Valley at TorreyHolistics.com. All our Patreons, Patrons, Patreons, Patrons on Patreon. (laughs) Thank you. You know who you are with a special shout out. We end every show with our number one patron on the Patreon, and that's Mariposa Ice Cream. Yes, I love me some Mariposa, even though I'm watching my intake these days. But uh, go on in and see Anna and Tim over at Mariposa Ice Cream with locations in uh, Normal Heights, Oceanside, and Temecula. Hands down, the best, no question, homemade ice cream on the planet. Nothing compares. Until next time. Yee-hoo!